0: This may reveal my age, but uh, how many of you remember the Great Escape? If you'll put that little poster up there. Charles Bronson and Steve McQueen on that motorcycle. My, The Germans had a high-security POW camp, and Commandant said to the British Captain Ramsey, there will be no escapes from this camp. But there was, and that's the story, the great escape. It didn't turn out quite as good as they wanted, but there were a few successful escapes. But I will tell you, that didn't even come close to the escape that our Lord did 2,000 years ago when he came out of the grave. That is truly the great escape. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Jesus escaped death. He is alive today. He is not behind us in a tomb somewhere, but He is before us on the throne. The question I would like us to consider, however, this morning is, suppose that had not happened. Suppose the death still had Jesus in its grip. Suppose He was still a POW, as it were, by the devil. Then what? What if there had been no Easter? Title: of The message is, without Easter, we're history. Amen. Absolutely. How different our lives would be if there had been no resurrection, and that's exactly the scenario that the apostle Paul presents to the people in Corinth. If the resurrection isn't true, then here is what would happen, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. Would you join me in prayers? As we ask God's blessing on the message, Father help us. We can't understand spiritual things just with a uh, human mind. You must awaken our spiritual mind. Holy Spirit, we have tried to exalt Jesus this morning, so we invite you to teach us today. Build our faith. Lord, just enlighten us and bless these saints of God, and myself as well, in Christ's name. Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, please, if you would, in verse number 12 of that chapter. I read a cute story this week. Joseph of Arimathea was a very wealthy Pharisee. He was a member of the council and a secret follower of Jesus. You may remember it was Joseph of Arimathea who went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body after the crucifixion. And it was also Joseph who supplied the tomb for the burial of Jesus. Well, uh, it seems as though someone pulled him aside and said, Joseph, man, that was such a beautiful, costly, hand-hewn tomb. Why on earth did you give it to someone else to be buried in? Joseph just smiled and said, well, why not? He only needed it for the weekend. <laughs> there you go. What if Christ had not risen from the dead? All right, let's read verse 12 together, if you would, please. Ready? Begin. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? It seems that some of the Corinthian believers thought that the resurrection was an impossibility. I mean, they were all for the good words that he said and all for this religion, I guess, but the thought of a resurrection just was an assault on their uh, mortal thinking. Some perhaps thought, you know, like some do, that well, yeah, he may come back again, but in some other form, maybe as a cow or something. And so many today have these warped sense of reincarnation. I remember very many years ago, I worked in a men's clothing store down in the Powenti Hills Mall, and uh, down in City of Industry, down in Southern California. When I was going to Bible College, I had a guy working there with me, and. He was a kookball, I'll tell you, and he had hair way out to here, big old, he was a white guy with a big afro, and um, one day I was talking to him, and I was witnessing to him, every day we worked, I witnessed him. <laughs> no wonder I, he was crazy, but um, he, one day he said, that's my uncle over there, and I said, "I'm looking around, there's nobody in the store, I said, what are you talking about? He said, that's my uncle, and I said, what? And he said, that rack over there, that's my uncle. I s- he's, he said that was, in a former life that was my uncle. He came back as a clothing rack, and uh, I thought, okay. And um, now the Apostle Paul uh, was proposing this situation. He was saying, now we have a huge problem if Jesus did not uh, rise from the dead, because um, if humans can't physically, bodily, literally come back from the dead, then Christ could not come back from the grave in his physical form. And he said, if that's the case, now if, if people can't come back from the grave, then Christ can't come back from the grave because he was God in the flesh. Now, if that's the case, then here's what's going to happen. And as a spiritual attorney, he builds step upon step irrefutable evidence that this would be absurd if Christ didn't rise from the dead. Seven of them, seven absurdities that must logically follow if there had been no resurrection. Number one, Scripture would be meaningless. Look at verse 13. If, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, and maybe I'll put in a parenthesis here, this is my insert, but As if there be no resurrection of the dead, as you know has been prophesied, as you know the Old Testament that you have in your hand says so often there's going to be a resurrection. So that's my little parentheses there. If there be no resurrection of the dead, as is clearly preached and taught in the Old Testament, then Christ could not be risen from the dead. And so repeatedly we are told in the Old Testament that we will be resurrected and Christ will be resurrected. You remember Job, he said, in my flesh, I will see God. My flesh is not staying in this grave. I'm going to come back different, but hallelujah, I'm going to have flesh. That's why in our glorified bodies, we're going to eat. Hallelujah. And I'm already got my heavenly meal already figured out. But Jonah was a symbol of Christ in the Old Testament. Three days in the belly of that great fish, and then he came out. The gospel writer Matthew said, this was nothing more than a symbol of Christ. Repeatedly, we're told that, in fact, Scripture teaches a resurrection. If then that is the case that Jesus, the people don't rise from the dead and Jesus isn't risen from the dead, then... That means everybody who has ever believed God's word is a fool, every one of them. Abraham, absolutely a fool for believing on Jesus for his atonement. You see, Abraham looked ahead to the cross, and when he, uh, as it were, sacrificed Isaac, he was symbolizing the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Abel was a fool to believe God, and Enoch was a fool to believe God. Noah was an absolute fool to preach and to build an ark for 120 years. What crazy fools they were. If Christ isn't raised from the dead, if everything that the Old Testament says about the resurrection and about Christ is false, then all of these great men, Moses and David, the prophets, Gideon, Samson, the judges, Barak, Jephthah, Samuel, Elijah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all of them. These are unbelievable parts of history, Israel's history, all of our history. And if that's the case, every one of them looked ahead to the cross. Now we look back to the cross. They looked ahead to the cross, but it's the same thing. Every one of them believed that the atonement was in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If that's the case, then all of that is just fanciful religion. All that we've been doing is just fanciful thinking or at best just uh, philosophy. I'll tell you this morning, when I think of the people that I look around me who purport this uh, atheism or some other kind of uh, liberal theology, I'll tell you what, I'll stick with Samuel. I'll stick with Moses. I'll, I'll stick with Jeremiah. I'll stick with Jonah. Those are my guys right there. I, they got a whole lot more sense than these. A little boy was in a classroom and his intellectual teacher Came to him. This man was educated far beyond his intelligence for sure. And he sneered at this little boy for reading his Bible in the classroom. And so he asked the boy, he said, Do you believe that Bible? He said, Yes, I do. He said, Do you believe about Jonah and the whale? Yes. He said, How is that even possible? He said, I don't know, but I'll find out when I get to heaven. The teacher said, Well, what if Jonah isn't there? He said, then I guess you'll have to ask him for me. (laughs) I'll take Jonah, amen. I'll take Ezekiel. Scripture would be meaningless if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Number two, preaching would be profitless. Verse 14, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain or empty. (laughs) And if that's the case, your faith is also vain, futile, empty." of no purpose. Look at all the energy. Look at all the money. Look at all the time. Look at all the effort that has been put in to Jesus and the gospel throughout the last 2,000 years and even before that. Think of all of it. I mean, to the point of life and limb. I don't want to throw shade on any church, but the fact is the Roman Catholic Church during the dark ages from about, uh, oh, whatever, let's say uh, four or 500 A.D. to about the time of the Reformation, they killed 50 million Christians. 50 million, you heard it right. You know, it's a funny thing, they apologize for sex abuse, but I've never heard them once yet apologize for killing 50 million Christians, many of them Baptists many of them who were just holding on to their Bible, 50 million of them, these all to the point of life and limb, and all of that is just, was empty? You mean all of that has ever been done for all these years, for the cause of Jesus Christ is all just meaningless? If there was no Easter, it'd be colossal waste of time for any of us being here this morning. I'm wasting my time by preaching you're wasting your time by listening, and frankly, we ought to all do something else. The ministry is futile. It's worthless. It's profitless. There's really no good reason for us to keep going. If Christ is still in the grave, I'm really not into one of these relational churches. I'm all for great relationships, but our relationship is centered on the fact that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, and He rose from the dead. Anything else than that, I, you know, we'll just go find some other place to relate. But the, the resurrection is the heart of the gospel. It's not enough to simply say, well, these are good words or it's nice to just be together. No, it's not enough. Look in the first part of chapter 1 of the book of 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 1 says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Sometimes people say, what is really the gospel? Because some people want to say the gospel is that we have Justice in America, or you know, that we do this or that, or the poor get taken care of. No, that's not the gospel. That's a good thing to have justice, good thing to take care of the poor, but that's not the gospel. What is the gospel? Verse 3 I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received. This is what I got. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Here, the resurrection is clearly put as part of the gospel. The gospel is just not a cross. The gospel is an empty cross. That's why in churches like this, you'll see people that wear a cross, but there's no no crucifix. It's not a a Savior on it. It is an empty cross. Now, why why do the Christian churches portray their faith as an empty cross? Because, friends, that's the gospel. He didn't just stay on the cross. He rose from the dead. It's not enough that he died. It's that he rose from the dead. That's the gospel. And no preacher can preach the gospel unless he preaches the resurrection of Jesus. There have been high-profile liberals who always around Easter get a name for themselves. Like the liberal Episcopalian bishop John Shelby Spong. John Shelby Spong, if you'll show the. wrote a book called Jesus for the Non-Religious. Don't really know why that needs to be, but whatever. Jesus for the Non-Religious. And this uh, avowed liberal said this, and you see the quote there: To literalize Easter has become the defining heresy of traditional Christianity. Here, supposedly a man of God, supposedly a preacher of the gospel is clearly saying that Easter, to literalize Easter, is a heresy. Now, I have recommendation for Bishop Spong. I believe he ought to get out of the pulpit and get an honest job, amen? I think he ought to go get a job as a used car salesman or something, but... uh, Be a whole lot more honest than what he's doing right now. I will tell you this, any preacher who does not believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, literally, that man is a heretic. And that man is not to be trusted, and that truth is not to be looked at. No. If Christ isn't raised from the dead, then our preaching is vain. And Paul said, what's the purpose, what's the point of preaching if Jesus didn't raise from the dead? Scripture would be meaningless. Preaching would be profitless. Number three, bishop, excuse me, faith would be brainless. Paul looked at these people and said, frankly, if Christ didn't raise from the dead, you are pretty stupid people. Verse 14, and I am too. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain. He said, Now, uh, let's think about this. Look at what the gospel has done for your family. Look at what it's done for your marriage. Now, I've been here. Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half. He writes back to the people. So he'd been gone from there for a time. He said, Look in these last few years what the gospel has done for your marriages. Look what it's done for your family life. Look what it's done for your health. Look what it's done for your your mental health. Just look at what it's done for your outlook in life, for your finances, every area of your life. He said, now, you name it, the gospel elevates. Every place the gospel is, it is an elevated society. Why is, why is the Western world, for the most part, more elevated in its economy and in its infrastructure, its... Uh, um, rule of law and things like that. Why? why, for the most part, is the Western society more elevated than, let's say, India, or let's say the African nations, or let's say other nations? Why is that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because of the gospel. Right. Wherever the gospel has gone, it elevates society. Now, I'm not saying everything that's done is Christian. I'm just saying it has an elevating thing about it. It is a, it is a Thing that brings us up. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, now, if your marriage is better, if your family is better, if all of this is been done, there's got to be something to what we're talking about. Otherwise, we would be foolish. And I certainly don't deserve your trust. It is a foolish thing to believe that Jesus lived, but he didn't, he didn't rise again. That would, that's the very key and unique thing about the founder of Christianity, more than Buddhism, more than Hinduism, more than any other uh, Islam, any religion. Yes, they had a great prophet. Yes, they had some great teaching. And they all lived and just like Jesus, they all died just like Jesus. But Jesus is the only one that rose from the dead. That makes him a winner. We are following a winner for sure. And that's what Romans 1, 4 says. He is declared to be the son of God. Jesus is God in the flesh. How? By the resurrection from the dead. That's what clearly put him as Deity. How do I know Jesus is God? How do I know that he can save me? How do I know that the Bible is true? How do I know that the promises in the Bible are yes and amen? I'll tell you how. Because Father God brought the Son of God up from the dead. It was his stamp of approval on all that he said and all that he did in his earthly ministry. We don't serve a dead Savior. A dead Savior is no Savior at all. A little boy was in a classroom and the teacher gave assignment. I want you to write an essay on the world's greatest living man. And so the children began to write essays about different people. One wrote about the president, Others wrote about technology leaders, some wrote about sports leaders, some scientists and educators and philosophers. But this one little guy, he wrote an essay on Jesus Christ. When the teacher got the paper, he smiled kind of condescendingly at the little boy and said, well, it's a nice paper, but I think you misunderstood the assignment. I said to write a paper on the greatest living man. And he said, but teacher, Jesus is alive. He is alive. And the smartest people I have ever met say the same thing. Jesus is alive. He is alive. We don't serve a dead Savior. It would be brainless. It would be foolish to say that all the good that's been done is is, he didn't really rise from the dead. Number four, Paul said, the disciples would be reckless. Verse 15, we are all found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that Christ, if so be that the dead rise not. What is a false witness? A false witness is somebody who gets into a courtroom and knowingly, willingly, deliberately perjures himself and becomes a liar, all knowing full well what the truth is. Paul said, I would be a false witness. I will be a perjurer because I have testified that Jesus is alive. Peter testified that Jesus is alive. John testified that Jesus is alive. They talked with him after he rose from the dead. They touched him. They hugged him. They heard him. They fellowshiped with him. That's what John said in 1 John chapter 1. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, we have seen with our eyes. We've looked upon, our hands have handled the word of life. And this life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness and shown to you that eternal life which was with the Father and then manifested unto us. That that, um, also includes the resurrection. You say, well, pastor, how do you know that? All these disciples didn't just make all this stuff up. How do you know that these people all were just a bunch of uh, people just saying these things and they were deceived? I'll tell you how I know because they paid for the truth with their very lives. Amen. Someone once said, A man may live a lie, but very few will die for a lie. And these men gave their life. They would say, he's alive. I tell you, he is alive by their very testimony. He's alive. You would say, well, Paul, uh, he called himself an apostle out of due season. He was, the resurrected Christ appeared to him. You'd say, well, he, he was just crazy, really. Read, the, read the, the words of the apostle Paul. Just read through the New Testament. Read through it. And then tell me he really should be committed he really is off his rocker. He just, he's got a, some loose screw somewhere. No, nobody, in, no logical person could read through the New Testament and say the apostle Paul was, had a screw loose. No. I mean, in fact, it's the exact opposite. You'd say, honestly, that is so brilliant. He, and his arguments, the things that he said. Now, so this man who is so brilliant, this man that is so smart, he just, he was lying or he was crazy. Or look at Peter. I mean, read the things that Peter talked about. And, or John, all the things that he gave testimony of. Are they just a liar? What's, what's that all about? No. The fact is, the only conclusion we can come to is that the disciples, they weren't reckless. They were telling the fact. They saw Jesus. They touched Jesus. They were with Jesus. Some Bible scholar said, and I love what he said, he said, actually, the, the most powerful historical proof of the resurrection to him is actually the resurrected disciples. They said, what do you mean by that? He said, these men were defeated. They, look at the time when Jesus was crucified. These defeated men then became fearless, adventuresome leaders, and cowards became courageous, and the timid became triumphant. No, the resurrection of the disciples is the greatest proof of a resurrected Christ. Amen. Scripture would be meaningless. Preaching would be profitless. Faith would be brainless. The disciples would be reckless. And number five, sin would be changeless. Now look in verse 17, please. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Now what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means if Christ died, but all this is just you know, to literalize Easter, to say that really he rose from the dead, you know, it really doesn't make a lot of difference, folks, I'm telling you. If Christ is in the grave, then we have no hope for our sins because the resurrection was the proof that God the Father accepted his payment for my sin. God the Father raised him up. As proof positive that the full payment had been made. Look what it says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. He was delivered up for our offenses, that's the cross, but He was raised again for our justification. An easy way to remember what justification means it means just as if I never sinned. Justification. It, he took away all my sin. You you know, if you were to go to my criminal record, I don't know what you'd find there. I've got a few speeding tickets. I've got a few uh, parking tickets and got my car towed in San Francisco. And uh, anyway, I'm not bitter, but um, I, uh, but I will tell you one thing, you, one thing, but in my heavenly record, none of that's there. It is as clear as anything. Why is that? Because all of my sins have been justified when Jesus rose from the dead. He, he justified your sin and my sin. That was God's stamp of approval. No resurrection, no Savior. No Savior, no forgiveness. No forgiveness, no justification. No justification, no cleansing. No way to get rid of our guilt. And I will tell you, guilt is a terrible thing. If you have done something in your life, I've, there's things that I have done, I just, man, just, I hate the thoughts of it. And occasionally it comes in my head and I just, I hate it. I just wonder how I could be so stupid, how so selfish, so sinful, just why? <laughs> so I hate it. I, I hate the thoughts when those things came back to my head. But I'm telling you what, I am glad that I don't have to just dwell on that all the time. I'm just so glad that it's been—I'm not putting it aside as as though I didn't do it. I've made my peace with those people or that uh, situation and with God. But I will tell you, I am so glad to have my sins removed, and you are too. There's not one person in this room who's Lily White—not one. I don't care if you're the most saintly little senior lady who looks like you never even said a curse word. But uh, I promise you you said it, <laughs> or you thought it. It's like the preacher said, "I don't cuss, but if you will put it on a piece of paper, I'll sign my name on it." And uh, there are four American presidents that were assassinated, that have been assassinated: Lincoln, Garfield, McKinley and Kennedy. It's an interesting thing about James Garfield, who was assassinated, he actually didn't die from the bullet technically. In 1880, he was shot in the back with a revolver, not just a few months after he had become president. And surprisingly, he never lost consciousness. They took him to the hospital. The doctor probed the wound with his little finger trying to find the bullet. Then teams of doctors came in trying to find the bullet to no avail. Three months after he was shot, he actually died. And he didn't die from the bullet wound. They said he died from the infection from so many people trying to get the bullet out of him. The repeated probing. And thus it is with people who refuse to release their guilt to God. The infection of guilt just overcomes them. Far greater than maybe the sin, it's the guilt And just end up doing crazy things to the point of even spiritual death. Guilt is a terrible thing. It's great to know that our sin is forgiven. The resurrection, number six, the sixth absurdity, if there's no resurrection, is that death would be ceaseless. Verse 18, death wins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Your mother you'll never see her again. Your dad, forget it. If you're gone, you're gone. That's it. Your loved ones, you'll never see them. The baby that you planted in little baby land in the cemetery, sorry, you'll never see them again. They're just in a grave, they're rotting, they're turned to dust, that's it. Death has won and life is nothing but a colossal bad dream. Are you going to ask me to really believe that? people who are atheists or others who just believe that Christ didn't rise from the dead. Basically, we're born and then it's downhill to the grave. As someone once said, we are born crying, we live complaining, and we die disappointed. That's it. So that's basically what happens. This great cosmic explosion, the Big Bang, created life only in a few years to be... Filled with sickness, to be filled with issues, and then to die? Really? That's what came of the Big Bang? We all have this been given life, and then we die, and that's it? That's really what happened? You know, it always amazes me how people look at life and death. And so many people, frankly, just believe that, you know, when we're dead, we're dead, that's it. And that's why they hate even saying the words dead. Or death. You go to hospitals, and I've had people say, Don't mention the word death. Amen. And uh, I try to be respectful, but uh, the other day I saw an article that said 101 ways to say, to avoid saying death. <laughs> 101 ways to avoid saying death. If you're trying to be politically correct, you're trying to, you know, be nice. And, and so I looked at the list, and some were crazy. Departed, gone, bid farewell, at rest, quit. You know, I mean, the list is. But anything but don't say they're dead. Now, why is that? Why is there 101 ways to avoid saying the word death? Why is it not politically correct to say dead? Because to the world, death is it. That's it. I mean, it's, that's it. It's... To the believer, the truth is... You will never be more alive than when you, the moment you die. You talk about l- living. <laughs> oh, glory. I mean, precious little Annette that couldn't hardly, at the end there, stand and couldn't hardly walk. She, the minute Jesus said, come on home, girl. Come on home. That very moment, she was just ushered. The Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Not just in heaven, present with the Lord, with Jesus. Fanny Crosby said, the first thing I'm going to see is Jesus. I will see him first of all, my savior first of all. And what a difference it makes. I can't imagine what it'd be like. What does old Spong do when he goes to people who've lost their baby? Well, I just want you to know that your baby is probably right about now as maggots are eating it. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's about what it is. Wow, thanks, Bishop. Man, that's a great comfort. What do you say? I mean, if, if death is it and if that's all there is, then that's it? I mean, I don't mean to be Uh, So unsightly, but folks, that's just that's that is what the world has. That's all they have. That's that's why they medicate themselves. That's why we gotta legalize marijuana. That's why we gotta legalize everything in the world. Because to think logically about a life without life after death, no wonder people just I don't want to be in this reality. Because it just it just destroys the thinking. But thank God we have a resurrection because of that we have eternal life. And then finally this morning, number one, Scripture would be meaningless. Number two, preaching would be profitless. Number three, faith would be brainless. Number four, disciples would be reckless. Number five, sin would be changeless. And six, death would be ceaseless. But number seven, the future would be reasonless. To have no resurrection is to have no purpose for the future. Look at verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. What does that mean? He basically simply says is if all you have is just your good little feelings about some religious Jesus, then that's all you have. That's all you... I mean, you have nothing else. Back in the wild... Late 60s, when I was listening to songs like Sweet Pea, Peggy Lee got up and said, Is that all there is? Is that all there is? Is that all there is, my friends? Then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and let's have a ball. If that's all there is. And really, that is the theme of this world. If that's all there is, then that's it. I don't even. I don't even know what people do without Jesus Christ. Amen. Honestly, I mean, if I didn't have Jesus Christ and if I didn't think there was a future and all the stuff that goes on in this world, man, I would just go out and get high. I would, you would never even, I would never even come down to this earth. Now, I'm not recommending anybody get drunk or high. I'm recommending Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, without a resurrected Christ, then being alive is nothing but a bad joke. It's just a terrible thought. The fact is we have Jesus Christ and life isn't futile because we have a resurrected Savior. And that's what it says in verse 20. He says, but now is Christ risen from the dead? And because he is, Scripture is powerful and preaching is important and faith is smart and sin is conquerable. The future is wonderful because we have a resurrected Savior. Isn't Paul amazing? I mean, the Holy Spirit just put together this incredible, this, uh, this incredible spiritual attorney who just one by one just said, think of all the things that would have to happen if Easter hadn't come. In 1665, not long after the King James Version in London, thousands of people were dying every day. The bubonic plague was spreading from house to house because of unsanitary conditions. Rats and fleas were spreading germs throughout the city. It was not a large city, although it was one of the largest in the world at the time. 30,000 people died of the bubonic plague. The plague was so bad, experts estimated that the entire population of London would have died had it not been checked by one event. On September 2nd, 1666, the great fire of London broke out, burned uncontrollably for five days. Most of the structures in medieval London were made of wood. The entire city pretty much was reduced to ashes. But the strange thing was when the fire died down and the Smoke was still smoldering ashes. The people discovered that all of the pests, the rats, the fleas, all of the unsanitary conditions had been killed in the fire and the epidemic of the Black Death had been halted. The fire cleaned the city of the impurity that was killing its people. As I read that story, I thought, you know, as humans, the spiritual city of our lives are dying because of the deadly disease of sin. And then out of the ashes of the crucifixion, which cleansed us, a new and beautiful life has been born. Just it has got rid of all the impurity and we have new life because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me, please?